0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is
1: believe.
0: What's better than this guy's being dudes here on the draft dudes podcast. Presented by Locked On, it's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Monday edition of the show. Kyle, we are going to talk about the NFC East, and let me just tell you, it's good to be back.
1: It's good to have you back. I missed that grumbly, growly intro to our podcast. Yeah, what were you you doing
0: last week with that?
1: Not even trying to replace it. You can't replace Uh it. What's the point? All I'm going to do is make an ass out of myself.
0: Oh, well... I was I turned I tuned in. I'm not gonna lie, I tuned in and listened to the whole thing, but I listened to see how you were doing with that intro, and I'm like, man, he's not even doing it.
1: That's why you didn't listen to the whole thing. You just shut it down. You said, Nope. I think I'll listen to this trash.
0: <sighs> I enjoyed um well, we're not talking Giants or tomorrow. We're gonna do NFC East, but it's Cowboys and Eagles.
1: Correct, yeah. We're gonna talk so, about the the good teams in the division first.
0: Huh. Well, the team's more ready to compete, but
1: right. Yeah. I liked Washington's draft a lot. We'll talk about that tomorrow.
0: Yeah, I did too. I did too. So
1: it's hard not to like their class. I feel like, you know, they came away with tomorrow. We'll talk tomorrow. Let's <laughs> talk about Cowboys and the Eagles, Joe. Uh,
0: yeah. So how about the Eagles? They um, they got serious about getting an answer to replacing Jason Peters eventually here. And I, and Andre Dillard with their first pick number 22 overall. They actually moved up a little bit for him, and um, I, I like this. I like this. I'm not Dillard's biggest fan, but the idea of him not having to get put into the lineup right away, having a plan in place to replace Jason Peters when he eventually hangs things up, who's been such an important piece of that offense for so long, getting an athletic player like Dillard, somebody that you think about Jason Peters coming out of Arkansas, a tight end, Uh, initially converting over offensive tackle a similar type of guy where there's some some there's a big adjustment ahead for him a big time athletic and physical skill set but an acclimation that's needed and I think that Jason Peters getting a chance to uh, groom if you will Andre Dillard is great for Andre Dillard and so when I think about the perfect landing spot I love this because not only does he get to work with Jason Peters, but this is the type of offense that is very multiple and taking advantage of his mobility is something that I think will happen with Philadelphia.
1: Yeah, and listen, too. like They traded up, but they still managed to maintain two picks and two additional picks in the second round, too. Yep, yep. So for them to trade up, snatch Dillard out of the clutches of the Houston Texans, watch the Texans <laughs> poop their pants because they don't know what to do once Dillard comes <laughs> off the board, one pick ahead of them, and then to also come away with two more skill guys, look, like there's there's going to be no excuses for Carson Wentz to not get back to the MVP form that he was playing in in 2017, right? They, they take top 60 picks on Miles Sanders, my top running or my second rated running back in this year's class, and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, who, you know, It was cool. You know, we caught some flack for the DK Metcalf slide to 64, and some of that I think was out of DK's hands. But we've been fans of J.J. Arcega-Whiteside all draft process long. And specifically Ben Solak was the one that kind of started us and tipped us off on him last July, talking about how good Arcega-Whiteside was. And he gets picked to the Eagles at 57. Uh, For me, these two guys were my 49th and 55th rated players. They got him at 53 and 57. So the value for both of these picks, really appropriate in the second round. I love the dynamics that both of these guys are going to bring to the Philadelphia Eagles offense. Uh, Eagles losing J.H.I. to injury last season, and then on top of that, losing J.H.I. to free agency, not knowing what his medical long-term prospects are. Uh, They've been a team that's kind of piecemealed together efforts in the offensive backfield and in Sanders I think you've got one of two or three guys in this year's class that can potentially mm-hmm. be three down bell cow guys and if he's able to step up into that role and, and really you know make sure ball security is strong for him uh, I think he's going to thrive in that rushing style of offense that they have there I love his ability to impact you know in the flats and make the first arriving defender miss as a, a short checkdown receiver uh, the Eagles have used their backs in the passing game the last couple of years just a lot of dynamics that I think are really attractive fits for the players and their skills to the offense that they're going to and then the value on top of that
0: Howard as well right so Howard John Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders is now mm-hmm. the running back tandem in Philadelphia so that's no longer a weakness on this football team that's an that's an exciting duo
1: yeah um H- Howard's weird too right like you he left Chicago because they ran so much zone and went to Philadelphia, who runs a ton of zone. But right. I think the, the, the straight-ahead component that he will give you, short yardage type back, goal line back, third down in short yardage situations, like Miles Sanders can kind of be free to be the first down and passing down back, uh, where Jordan Howard, I think, is going to be your hammer there. But they've got a good enough interior offensive line in general that they can reset the line of scrimmage. So I think you're going to have more of a specialist role for Jordan Howard. I don't think you'll see him press for 1,000 yards like he rushed for the first two years he was in the league. Uh, I just don't think that the rushing system is that great of a fit. But Miles Sanders can fill that role and then allow Jordan Howard to be the specialist back.
0: It almost felt like Matt Nagy just didn't like Jordan Howard. Right. But the (laughs) the way he was talking about him, I get the combine and some of his comments throughout the course of last season. It's just like, What's your problem with them? Because like you said there, we had a sim, like an offense that's somewhat similar here. And apparently he was just such a bad stylistic fit for what Nagy wanted to do. Well, sounds like Philadelphia is ready to uh, unleash him in, in, in a capacity that would have been similar. And I have a feeling they're going to get good production. JJ Arsega Whiteside is super interesting to me on this receiving core because this is such a deep group, right? And I think we kind of expect something to happen with Nelson Aguilar. Like, what's his what's his cap hit? Like nine million or something yeah, like it's that? Like nine and a half. I mean, how is he still on this team? You know, is it do you think he gets moved? Do you think they just have him on the roster to be another slot type guy, guy that can get vertical a little bit? But this this is a crowded mix of receivers for Philadelphia, and I'm nervous about how Aguilar continues to fit into this group.
1: Well, I think when you look at the receivers that they have, the good news for Aguilar is our Sega Whiteside's a very different kind of player, right? So Alshon Jeffrey is kind of the role that I would expect to see our Sega Whiteside look to step into. They obviously brought in Deshaun Jackson in a trade with Tampa Bay, and then Nelson Aguilar in the slot. Uh, I know that they invested an early day three pick in Mac Hollins as another guy, from UNC, who's a vertical guy a lot of special teams contributions uh sheldon gibson still on the roster there he's kind of the guy de facto behind deshaun jackson joe this this team is, is either gonna have to keep six or seven wide receivers or they're gonna be <laughs> somebody or trading somebody
0: yeah so I, well, I agree it, with
1: you with the depth no question
0: but al galar seems like the most expendable guy you know even though he's so talented that cap figure on this depth chart in Philadelphia, they've, they've kind of had to finesse their way through the last couple of years with their salary cap situation. And it feels like this is kind of like, all right, here, this is low hanging fruit. Here's how you get rid of nine and a half million, you know, literally in one transaction.
1: Right. Yeah. So it'll be interesting because there those trade rumors really started to buzz draft weekend and it didn't happen. And I don't expect it. Listen, the Eagles are as good as anyone right now as trading late round picks. For established veterans, I don't think they want the Mm -hmm. shoe to go on the other foot. I don't think they they want to take a (laughs) first round pick from 2015 that's been a productive football player and flip him for a sixth round pick. So I think they're they're willing to go to war with him this year if they have to, but I think they're holding out hope, playing the waiting game, hoping somebody gets anxious and decides to make a move.
0: Baltimore, I'd love to see Baltimore make a run at him.
1: Oh, he'd be a great fit there too as right. far as like he's a he's a scrappy dude right so he's, mm-hmm. he's got some toughness components to him he's he's quick in short spaces works the slot um yeah that's a good call i, I would like that a lot for baltimore
0: get it done eric dacosta hey how about these day three picks <laughs> not so exciting in my opinion the no. the, the, the <laughs> like obviously clayton thorson just doesn't move the needle for me in any way shape or form and you know i i don't hate the idea of them adding a quarterback, but uh clinton thorces i just don't see a course for him getting on the field ever right like just very poor in terms of accuracy down the field really just a limited passer in my opinion he's got those physical traits that you look for those checking those boxes but in terms of his passing game instincts and his accuracy down the field i don't know how he's going to help this football team and then sharif miller is a tweener and i you know how does he get unleashed on this defense don't love the day three picks, but I mean the first three, there's hard to argue with them.
1: You ready for my Clayton Thorson analysis? Uh yeah,
0: I am. Oh my God. We have our first toilet flush on the
1: Draft Dudes podcast. <laughs> <laughs> now
0: you've been known for your sound effects through the years, but uh yeah, this is this is
1: that's, different. That's next level analysis that you can only get here on the Draft Dudes. Um 167th pick on an undraftable quarterback, in my opinion. I just don't think he meets the the requisite level of uh, poise, placement, accuracy, decision-making under pressure, a lot of questions. And listen, I, I get that the Eagles had a potential opening because they let Nick Foles walk in free agency, so... Who's the Indiana kid that's the backup now?
0: Nate Sudfeld.
1: Thank you. Nate Sudfeld is now the backup quarterback, and the Eagles were openly, you know, touting him as as a really great third quarterback, and they, they really love him there. And it looks like they've done a nice job developing him. Uh, so maybe that's their long term view for Clayton Thorson. But you know, you I think you just went out and signed Cody Kessler yesterday, and it was a better <laughs> you, you got a better quarterback. Did they sign him? To, yeah.
0: Okay, because I saw they released Luis Perez today. Yeah. I did not know that that was the the move before. Okay. So yeah. that makes the Perez uh release make more sense cuz I was like if they're rolling with Wentz, Sudfield and Thorson that's a little risky.
1: Yes, but I mean Cody Kessler like you just got a better quarterback in Cody Kessler yeah. than yeah. what you just spent the 167th pick on. But Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh we talk about the Cowboys? Uh we better. Okay. So quick recap Eagles picks. They picked 22, 53, 57, 138 and 167. They pick Andre Dillard, offensive tackle, running back Miles Sanders, wide receiver J.J. Osego-Whiteside, uh, pass rusher Sharif Miller, and quarterback Clayton Thorson. The Dallas Cowboys did not pick until 58. Their picks in this class, Joe, and then I'll let you kind of dig in first wherever you want to go. 58, Tristan Hill, defensive tackle, UCF. 90, Connor McGovern, Penn State, uh, interior offensive lineman. 128, running back Tony Pollard from Michigan. 158 cornerback Michael Jackson from Miami 165 pass rusher slash defensive end Joe Jackson from Miami Uh, 213 safety Donovan Wilson Texas A&M 218 running back Mike Weber Ohio State 241 Jalen Jelks uh, defender I don't even know where the hell you're gonna put him (laughs) or right I don't love this class Kyle
0: I don't love it. And I know that they don't have a first-round pick, so it's hard to, you know, you have to take that into account. But we've seen other teams, the Browns, the Saints, with no first-round pick, really cash in with some of their picks. And I look at this class, and there's some intriguing guys, but overall, I'm not sure how much better they got with this haul. Let's start with Tristan Hill, right? Their their top pick, number 58 overall. I get the need at defensive tackle. I really do. And Tristan Hill's an interesting player. You know, you watch him play. I thought he had... The hottest motor of any football player I scouted at any position for last year's class. I mean, unbelievable
1: effort. Very disrespectful to Christian Wilkins, but go ahead and continue.
0: Well, if there's anything Christian Wilkins can say, he played a lot more snaps than Tristan Hill because he was a starter. And that's not something Tristan Hill can say. (laughs) He's interesting in that regard. Love the way he plays. But, you know, he had some run-ins with the coaching staff. He really wasn't a full-time player. He's kind of a ball in a china shop. I like the idea of pairing him with Rod Marinelli, who obviously can get the most out of him. But I, I just feel like that was a bit of a reach, even at 58.
1: Uh, yes, I agree with you wholeheartedly, Joe. Sorry, I was, I'm sitting here looking. One of the things that I did this year, and it was at the recommendation of our mutual good friend, uh, Brett Whitefield, from Pro Football Focus. We were sitting around uh, on your bachelor. Party actually at the uh, cabin. Wow, talking football as <laughs> we did every second we were together, and was talking about ways to best quantify draft classes. And one of the things that we had kind of mutually thought would be a good idea would be to assign you know picks uh, their their value in the trade value chart, and then players will have a corresponding value based on their ranking, based off the trade value chart. And when I did this for the Dallas Cowboys, now the, the Cowboys were one of the four lowest scoring draft classes in this year's draft out of the 32 teams. Now that does not mean I think they had a bad class. Please keep that in mind. That means they drafted the least like my rankings. So, by proxy, that means I don't think they had a good class. But I think when you extrapolate some context as far as scheme fits, there are some things that you can get excited about, and that's why I'm not going to hammer their class right now, Joe. But I generally speaking agree with you looking at this class from top to bottom. I don't think they came away with ideal value for the picks that they had, even though they were coming in with handcuff selections. Uh, go ahead.
0: No, I was, I was going to try to talk about my favorite pick of their class.
1: I, will, he, I was going to talk about uh, Tony Pollard as an God. interesting selection for them. Mm, mm, um, mm. Kind of pass catching back, right? See, you're bigger you're bigger on Pollard than me. I mean, I I had a, a fifth round rate on Tony Pollard, so I wasn't super high on him. Yeah, took fourth. But as again, I'm just I'm trying to look, and I'm really trying to not marry myself to where I scored the players. I'm trying to project them into the roles that the teams are going to use them, and if I feel like that's a good fit, I'm going to cut them a break. And that's exactly so, what I'm doing with. Toby so
0: Pollard. sell me on it. Sell me on how Dallas is going to use Pollard, and that I should be at least a little excited about that.
1: Okay, right. So Ezekiel Elliott, if they continue to use him at the pace that they've been using him, how long? How much longer do you feel good about Ezekiel Elliott?
0: Not great, but that I love. You know, I love like Mike Weber. So for me, I. Maybe that's where I see the the relief, if if you will.
1: Yeah, but Mike Weber, for me, I think is the ideal backup. to yeah. Ezekiel Elliott in his yeah. in his role. I think Tony Pollard's a different kind of role. I don't think Ezekiel Elliott's a guy that you should have on the field in third mate. I just don't think he's dynamic enough in the passing game. Where you see a lot of teams having success in the pros right now with pass catching running backs, is it's these versatile, shifty. kind of mismatch, guys against linebackers where Zeke is more of a boomer and a banger. And and he's not going to create a ton of yardage after contact unless he's running through the contact where I think Tony Pollard gives you a different dynamic in your backfield. And especially with the tight end position being what it is, dude, we got Jason Witten, Blake Jarwin, Rico gathers and Dalton Schultz. That's the Cowboys tight end situation right now. So if you're going to have Dak thrive and not have him just turn into a volume passer to Amari Cooper, you're going to need short area targets that are going to help alleviate that pressure. And that answer for me is one of those guys is going to have to be Tony Pollard. So I see that, that pathway for him to be an effective football player in a specific down-and-distance type situations for the Cowboys this year.
0: OK, so you, you're you're subscribing to him kind of filling that role as a niche receiving back, which I think he needs to do. I think that was what at Memphis he was using so many different ways. It was like you're just not polished in any one way. So if he can hone in on that, that's where the value can come. And it seems like they, you know, even with the Tavon Austin move and, you know, they they, they kind of want that type of player that they can not that Tavon Austin and Tony Pollard are similar but guys that can be more niche if that makes sense on their offense and this gives them that type of player out of the backfield correct i like the michael jackson pick kyle um, especially for where they got him and, you know 158 overall i think that he's a bit of a sleeper you know he's a scheme specific guy you're going to want to use him a lot in press bump and run you're not going to ask him to carry you know speedy guys down the field 1v1 he's 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 not going to be able to do that but in zone and impress He's got an interesting skill set, and what I think that his selection does is it adds a lot more versatility to this defense because of what he can do. You can play the matchups a little bit more if you need. If you need, if you're facing a big-bodied number one receiver, an X, a prototypical prototypical X, and they have two of those, perhaps they have two big receivers. You can have him and Byron Jones Jones matching up with them. But what this does to me is potentially makes Chidobi Awuzie. A more expendable in terms of where you can line him up. What I loved about him at Colorado was how versatile he was. Really good blitzer. If you get him down near the box, he can make plays and has a really quick trigger attacking forward against quick game as well as what he can do in coverage. And so I think that this pick, even though it's kind of a later pick, it makes this defense more capable of playing to matchups and tapping into some of the versatility that existed on the depth chart.
1: Joe, as I looked through the rest... Of this class, I do want to acknowledge the pick of Connor McGovern. Mm-hmm. Uh, he went 90th. I had him one 12th on my own board, so I think this is one of those appropriate value picks. Um, but it's interesting, right? Like you, you would have assumed the Cowboys, if they weren't going to invest one of their few top 100 picks in a position, it would have been the offensive line, right? Yeah. And this this yeah. team's got. Tyron Smith. They just used Connor, uh, a pick, second round pick on Connor Williams last year. Uh, they brought back Cameron Fleming in free agency. They've got Travis Frederick, Zach Martin, Lyle Collins. Uh, so this team had some, some more pressing needs. But we, again, we talk about having foresight as a team. And, and this selection of Connor McGovern, I think, is an attractive fit. For Dallas, I love the fact that you're not going to press Connor McGovern into playing time early because I think he is still a little raw around the edges even though he has uh, so, some really promising physical tools. And, and I like how tenacious he is and how sticky he can be in the ground game. They're, they got a guy that kind of fits their mold. They're going to get a chance to get their hands on him and mold him. And then we'll see how it plays out as far as how they want to reshuffle the, jet, the deck and get their best five on the field uh, going forward. So whether it's you know, Lyle Collins walking away and they want to try Connor Williams at offensive tackle or they just want to have the swing guys so that they can cut down a roster spot and know that you can trust Connor McGovern's going to be able to back up all three spots on the inside. However they choose to handle that, I think this was a, an appropriate value pick and I think it was kind of one of those stay true to your board type moves for Dallas.
0: Well, that, and I mean, I think across the league, we've seen offensive line depth get stressed. We've seen starting offensive lines just not being able to fill out a viable group. And even though Dallas has been such a good team on the offensive line, there's been times where they've been down a man and the entire unit just takes a big hit. And so protecting the 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 depth and obviously the the starters on your offensive line by making sure you can withstand an injury is huge. And so, you know, Connor McGovern does profile as a starter in time for me, and maybe that'll happen in Dallas, but it the depth of offensive line is something that I think we've learned in the past few years of watching and, and studying the NFL that it is valuable. And, and Connor McGovern, a guy that's versatile, I think that he's you know, I, I think it was a good pick, even though, like you said, not necessarily a, a spot we would peg as a need for Dallas. Any
1: parting thoughts, Joe?
0: Uh, No, I mean, I already teased that I like the Mike Weber pick. I think that that helps you get Zeke off the field a little bit. And I think Mike Weber's a a really nuanced runner that in the seventh round is a great pick. And and I think he can immediately be the backup. And so, you know, we've seen different teams employ different strategies with their backup running back situation, whether that was getting a total opposite type player, you know, a complimentary piece that does different things, but also some teams that really, hey, we just want more of the guy we got. And I think that, you you probably got the C plus or the B minus version of Zeke in Mike Weber, and, and really I think you you improve the depth of the back of the running back position. But you also I think you you get a little bit more out of those legs with uh, with Zeke Elliott, who's the focal point of your team. Uh,
1: fun fact for you, Joe. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Do you know how many touches Ezekiel Elliott has from scrimmage in his three years in the pros?
0: Um, three years in the pros. I don't, but I'll give you an educated guess. In three seasons, I'll guess he has 750.
1: 1,003. Oh, Jesus. That's what I'm talking about. They they had to address this running back position. You got to get him off the field a little bit on third downs. You got to give him a break a little bit. How many games is that, Kyle?
0: How many games Uh, is that?
1: 40 games. He missed 1,000 what? 1,003 in 40 games.
0: 25 touches a game almost 26 touches a game
1: yeah he's missed a total of uh eight games so far in his pro career he had the suspension Mm -hmm. in 2017 and he missed one game in 2016 one game in 2015 or 2018
0: yeah and he's he's the focal point of the offense right i mean so making sure he can be available is going to be critical i i respect respect both of those picks
1: no question uh i kind of tease the jalen jelks pick a little bit joe he's listed as a (laughs) linebacker
0: yeah.
1: I, is he athletic enough to play linebacker? No, he's not. That's the <laughs> thing. It's like the dude bulked up to 250, and he got stiff as a board. It's like yeah. he's going to have to play at 230, but then it's then <sighs> then the question is now you're you're really going to have to develop this guy from a, a football IQ perspective because he's playing interior defensive line
0: at yeah. Oregon. Oregon's so weird, yep.
1: Now, they don't do their guys any favors there at Oregon.
0: No, it's like the Hercules mata Afa thing, but like weirder. It's yeah. almost weirder. Yeah. At least that was a clean projection to potentially off the ball or edge. I mean, Jalen Jokes is just a total tweener with the wrong traits for wherever you put him.
1: Imagine thinking that the Pac-12 was the best conference in football. Ben, Solak. Who said that? Who said ben that? Solak. Ben Solak. Ben Solak.
0: Oh, we're we're going to address Ben Solak tomorrow on Takes on Takes.
1: Can't wait. Somebody bodied him, didn't they?
0: Um, you know what Well f- it's not that bad it's a little aggressive but it's not that bad but we'll deal with them
1: all right sounds good I can't think of a better reason for you guys to come back tomorrow than to listen to us drag and slander Ben Solak's name as we, we drag him through the mud. so make sure you come on back and we'll get a chance to do that with you guys tomorrow you've got last minute takes hashtag takes on takes hashtag Tattle takes turn them in me and Joe we'll get to them tomorrow Kyle Krabs with Joe Marino